You're listening to the Out the Mud podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping basketball players navigate the basketball world. I'm Ikalo Orea, and I'm a professional basketball player, coach, and professional skills trainer. Whether you want to play Division I basketball or even become a professional basketball player one day, this podcast is for you. Let's get it out the mud. On today's episode, we have Coach Adria Crawford. Adria is a women's Division I basketball coach for the George Washington women's basketball team in Washington, D.C. We covered many topics in this episode, such as how Canadians and international players can get noticed, leveraging your social skills to get you a basketball opportunity, and how to decide where to go to school. Let's get to it. So, uh, yeah, season around the corner. How's your uh, team looking? Um, they compete really. They compete really hard. You know, I'm I'm excited about like the energy they bring every day. Um, their work ethic. Um, I think we have a chance to be to be pretty good. Um, so I'm excited to see. Um, you know how how much our effort and communication and camaraderie plays a part in like how well we do this season. Yeah, for sure. It's gonna be the first game, right? Next uh, next Monday, is it? Yes. Okay, that's cool. That's exciting. Is it? It's your first year with them, eh? Yes. Nice. So, um, have you guys played any exhibition games? You kind of know uh, how the team's looking. You have any uh, things that you gotta strengthen, or is it gonna be your first? It's like your first game. Um, we've had two scrimmages, um, and so you know, I think. But even like through our practices, I think that we've seen that like our our team is. Uh, you know, extremely disciplined and work to be in the right places and do the right things um, day in and day out. And just like they're dedicated to being better basketball players every day. Like one thing they they talk about is like being 1% better. And so um, you can see that like from our first scrimmage to second scrimmage, you know, like even leading up into practice um, for this first game on Monday versus UVA. Mm-hmm. Are there uh, expectations you guys have set for the year? What do you? What are some things that you think you guys could, uh, or you hope to reach by the end of the season? Uh, I, I think so. Our head coach has a, a motto of like of pound the stone, and so it's just a matter of like taking it day by day, and um, you know continuing to do the right things and continuing to you know like I said one percent better. Um, so you know our expectation is to do that, and. Um, There was a, one other thing that I was going to mention, um, but just to, yeah, I guess I, that's, that's mostly it. Yeah. Uh, there was another part, but now I can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> it's all good. I, I hear you. And that 1% thing is something like I preach that just to myself and just to like, I coach now as well. I started like this AAU program and it's like, mm-hmm. everyone sees the end, but it's like, if you just look at like the now and like what's going on today and what you plan to get better at today. I feel like you'll get to the, the end, uh, the end goals, but. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Oh, I was going to add, uh, just to be a good defensive team as well. Okay. Yeah, for sure. How are you guys? Is it your first year with the program? Yes. Okay. So was that something that you guys weren't good at last year? Oh, uh, no, that's always been, um, a hallmark or I guess like maybe a trademark. Uh, our head coach, Coach McCombs, uh, she's big on having really good team defense, and that's something that we talk about every day. Um, from you know a little bit of communication 
to, uh, you know, being in the right spot on the floor, to understanding, like, what our ball screen coverages are going to be. And so, like, you know, the list goes on and on. But, you know, just breaking it down step by step. But, like, defense is a huge point of emphasis for us every day. Yeah, that's funny. It kind of takes me to my next question. I heard that you said that your style of play was kind of like a defensive player. You're a grinder and, like... Um, how would you, would you say that, um, oh yeah, I forgot to mention. So I heard you played soccer as a goalie. Do you feel like the scrappiness of like, you know, diving for the balls and whatnot kind of led you to your style of play of, you know, being the like glue player, like you said, and, you know, doing the thankless stuff. Like, I feel like soccer is the most thankless position. I mean, uh, sorry, uh, being a goalie is like the most thankless position. I don't know too much about soccer, but that's what I, that's what I think. So it's funny that you asked that. I don't even know when I mentioned I played a goalie in soccer because I played soccer for one season. Oh, okay. I'm sure I've mentioned it, but I don't know where I've mentioned it. I do a lot of soccer. But so kudos to you for finding wherever that was. (laughs) But I was seven and I didn't, my team was pretty good. And so the ball never came to my end of, so I didn't save too many. I saved the one thing. I never got scored on, but yeah. I mean, maybe there was two to three attempts. Uh, so there wasn't no like heroic, like crazy dives from one side to the other, like save the game. No, no, okay. no. I mean, I had much more heroic, you could say, things that I did as a basketball player. Yeah. Um, but I think, I mean, they put me in the goalie because I was the tallest person on the team. So, yeah, at seven. But I think just, um, I, like, I like to play rough. Like, so that was just always, like, in me, like, I wanted to win. Like, my mom instilled in me, was like, the other team has the ball, go get it. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, I had to refine that as I got older. It was like, okay, you can't just, like, foul people to get it. But yeah. just, like, as I got When I was young, that was my mentality. She was like, the other team has the ball, you need to go get it mm-hmm. and go take it from them. And so that's how I became, like, a relentless. My mom was a pretty good defender herself. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's how that kind of that kind of trajectory started as just like gritty um and then like just as I got older I was never really like a I guess I didn't have like a quote pretty game Mm. right like I was never really like the leading scorer or like the main player um but I just did everything to win um you know that's something that my parents were like would instill in me is just figure out a way to be on the floor. Um, and that's by playing hard every possession and doing everything you can to put your team in the best position to win that, whether that's like making layups or that's setting the screens, like, and so winning was something they instilled in me and not like my personal accomplishments. Yeah, no, I get that. That's rare though. These days, like everyone wants to be the man. It's rare to find someone who has like, the will to just play D and just do the little things. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, especially with social media, all that's shown is the highlights. Everyone wants to be on a highlight, you know? So, right. yeah, that's, that's interesting for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, when did you realize going D1 was a real possibility? Um, I, that, I, I don't, you know, I think when you think about it, that was 16 years ago, it wasn't like, how it is now where you're like, Oh, division one. Like I didn't know anything about 
levels, like Division One, Division Two. Like I know people are like, oh, Division One is like this, but like I didn't really know what Division One meant. And so I mean, I was just played to play. Yeah. Like I wanted, I wanted to play. Um, so I don't know if there was like a moment where I was like, oh, I'm really good. I don't think I ever really thought that. Yeah. So the offer just kind of came in, and you just kind of took it for what it was, type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that was probably it. I mean, my parents told me I was good. Yeah. Who does, whose parents don't say that? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But I think they had to help me realize, like, how good I was. Because I was just, like, I just played for fun. Yeah. And I love yeah. basketball. So I was just out there doing what I love to do. So yeah. Yeah, I wasn't trying to, like, I didn't go to practice thinking about how can I get to the next level. Like, that is not something I thought about. I just, like, I'm yeah. going to go hoop with my friends. Hopefully we win because I love winning. Yeah. Yeah, I feel it. You, your dad, actually, you said your dad played at a high level, too. What, what level did he play at? What was that? Uh, my, so both of my parents, well, uh, my dad played at Emory and Henry, okay. uh, which is a Division three in um, Wise County, Virginia. It's like Southwest Virginia. Uh, mm-hmm. And then my mom started at UVA Wise and played basketball there, and then ended up transferring to Emory and Henry, but didn't didn't play at Emory. Okay, so did they kind of teach you how to train and teach you? Did they kind of expedite, or what's that word I'm looking for? Kind of speed up the learning curve of, like, playing basketball? Or do you feel like they kind of let you do you and maybe stepped in every now and then? Or how was it? How was that dynamic? Uh, my dad coached me from a really young age. Uh, but, like, they just knew that I was an active kid, so they put me in... Like, I was too... The reason why I played soccer is because where I grew up, you couldn't play basketball until a certain age. So they wanted me to be active, so they put me in um, soccer. And then when I could play basketball, I started playing basketball. Uh, But it was, you know, not very good basketball. It's where, you know, you run around and crowd the ball and all of that. But, you know, my dad coached me for you know, from then until about 16, um, in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I could say, I would say that they were a huge, um, component of, you know, my basketball development and skill work and mindset. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. That's interesting. So one thing I saw too was, you said you pull names out of a bowl out of a bowl to choose schools. That's that's right. That's correct, right? Am I Yes. I, yeah. So so for those who aren't as fortunate to be having that many options, what do you think are important things like to consider uh when deciding on a program? Um well, so the <laughs> the full story is I prayed over it, so I'm a huge um, uh, you know, I'm a big Christian faith um, is really important to me. And so, you know, making decisions guided by faith. And uh, so that is like the first part of the the bowl story. Um, but it was just really important for me. Uh, the, the places that I had in the bowl were uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech, uh, West Virginia and Georgetown. And when I, 
I put them all in a bowl and I said, okay, as I pull them out, like they're eliminated. And it was just me and my mom. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I don't know if my dad knows the story because he was over in Jordan when we made the decision. That's funny. Um, you know, but the schools that were in the bowl were schools that I was seriously considering, you know, like I wanted to stay close to home and I wanted to play at a high level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have the Big East and the ACC. Yeah. And it, you know, it doesn't get, it doesn't get much better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I prayed, I took them out of the bowl. And what's funny is I pulled Georgetown out of the bowl before Virginia. Mm-hmm. And, or, mm, I don't know. I pulled Georgetown out. So the last, I had two in the bowl left. And then I pulled Georgetown out. And I was like, ah, I don't know. And so I put Georgetown back in the bowl. And I don't know if I switched. Like, the next one I pull out is where I'm going. Or I was keeping, like, the same way I was doing it. I don't remember what. But then I eventually got to Georgetown. And so, yeah, it was kind of, like, out of a bowl. But, like, I knew where I wanted to go. Yeah. So, so it wasn't just like, oh, that's what I'm going with. Because when I pulled the one that I wanted to go to, clearly I, <laughs> I put it back in. Yeah, yeah. Got answer um, your prayers. Yeah. So you just had to, you had to trick yourself. Like you had, you had a choice, but like you knew what you wanted to do all along. Yeah. No, I get that. But ultimately, like I knew um, I could have an impact at Georgetown right away. So that was really important to me. So to answer your question about why like how georgetown came about um academics was extremely important to me like if i didn't i never really knew what i wanted to do um and so i knew that a degree from georgetown would hold a lot of weight Mm -hmm. so ultimately that is why that's a big reason why um, i was close to home it's really important to me and i could play yeah. Play a lot of minutes. So, I mean, all and right now, a lot of kids talk about you know relationships and things like that. Well, and I think that's important. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's really important nowadays. Um, for me, it wasn't that important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, it's the things that you value most. So your family, being close to home, uh, the academic side is what are the the important things to consider when signing to a program, and obviously the minutes. Right. Okay. And so here's one question I actually have, like just a personal question. Something. So I heard this myth and like I kind of started to feed into it where like coaches recruit players. Like, for example, if an East Coast player goes and plays AAU in the West Coast, like they're going to get more looks. Like that's like that's like the myth that has been going around for a while. I feel like there's some validity to it. But like, would you say like, okay, if uh, a team from like a state, maybe just because you don't see teams from that state. Uh, come out to let's say let's say a Cali team comes to to Washington or wherever you're on. Yeah. Do you feel like since you don't see them as much, like you you kind of have like an idea of how they play, and you think, okay, we're looking for a player like this. So just because they're from Cali, they might you know fit that mold, or is that just it's not really a thing? Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a thing for me, but I can see it being a thing. Yeah, but I also think like. Mm, I don't know. I feel like most coaches just recruit kids that fit. Like, I don't think if you, if you're looking for a certain type of player and those players are on the East coast, 
and then that East Coast team comes to the West Coast, mm-hmm. then I could see them being highly re- recruited. And maybe more recruited than on the East Coast because you have such a you have a wider variety of people to choose from that fit that style is a possibility. Uh-huh. But I I think it's not I don't think it's intentional. I think it's just it could be that way because of this t- style of play. And maybe you're looking for something a little different that might not be on. Uh, might not be on the East Coast. Okay. Or on the West Coast. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, and now that we're on the topic of AU, you said you coached um, AU nine-year-old boys, and now obviously you coach D1 women's basketball. So what are some things mm-hmm. that you learned like coaching the AAU that maybe prepared you to coach uh, at George Washington? That kids want to ultimately get it right. Um, you know, there's not a lot of kids who get into sports who want to fight with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like kids genuinely want to learn um, and do well and so I think that just putting that into perspective, um, and it just really, like, just affirmed how much I enjoy coaching basketball. Because, like, that was, I coached at the end of my um, senior season at Georgetown. Yeah. And the nine-year-old boys at the end of that senior season. Um, and it was just, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get to be a head coach, you get to make a lot of decisions. And so it was nice to like have that experience and have free reign at 21 to figure out how to get kids to play basketball and yeah. enjoy and have a good time. And it also teaches you, like, I encourage everyone to coach like little kids before they coach college mm-hmm. because it requires you to take a step back and start coaching from the beginning, right? Like they don't know what a horn set is. Yeah. So I can't be like, all right, we're going to run horns. And everybody just kind of casually gets into the right spot. That doesn't mean anything to them. Mm -hmm. And so you're teaching them from the very beginning. Like you're teaching them how to make, you know, solid bounce passes. You're teaching them how to not throw where the defense is. You're just teaching them right positioning and so you, it requires a lot of patience because you have to start from ground level. Mm-hmm. So I think that is where I learned to kind of take a step back and break things down and assess why I did things and how to communicate the things that I did or that I liked. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I've never coached nine-year-olds. I just coached like 15 and 16 so far. And it's, yeah, I feel like they're kind of, they're not like too far gone where like they're, I mean, I feel like at this age, they're kind of confident and they kind of don't want to listen. They kind of think that they have, they know it all. You know what I mean? But I've, I've heard like the nine-year-olds mm-hmm. are just like a sponge. And I heard they're like, they're real fun. I heard the seventh and eighth grade are real, real fun uh, age to, to, to coach. So, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting for sure. Then, okay. So, uh, next question. Um, you talk about people being really important and how people skills like helped you get your first job at Longwood, 
And so for the people who don't know, um, can you explain how you got your start coaching at Longwood and maybe how a high school kid or an aspiring pro can leverage their people skills to get closer to playing college basketball or professionally? Um, to coaching or playing? Uh, to playing, to playing. Okay. Um, so how I got into coaching, well, so I, I think it really starts with when I chose to go to Georgetown, my mom made me call every single school I had a relationship with. Not everybody recruited me, but every single school I had a relationship with to call them and thank them for their time. Um, and that was not a super common practice. Then I think now people do it because social media wants you to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, like it wasn't, it just wasn't a common practice. And so like, I know that there's coaches I still have relationships with now that recruited me that always are very thankful of that interaction. They're not sour. Um, Excuse me. They're not sour that you didn't go there though. Oh yeah. No, I get that a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but, you know, but we're just really, like, complimentary of, you know, my mom making me do that. Yeah. Um, so that's one way. And, but part, like, I think also it's important to just be genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't, not to, you shouldn't expect anything but from people just you know like yeah i was gonna say respect but like sometimes you shouldn't even expect that it's just like okay if you are giving someone your time for anything um or you're interacting with the person it's just solely because you you know you should do it because you want to it doesn't have to be transactional like that's why i say people are really important to me Mm -hmm. and it's not what i can get from people i just enjoy talking to new people and learning new things and hearing about new experiences and trying to apply them to my life. Um, but, you know, I was really grateful. So my a kid on my nine-year-old boys team um, went to a, um, he was at a private school. And so the private school had, a, the, there was girls and boys that could play on the team. And so he played on the team with um, the daughter of a Georgetown alum. Mm -hmm. And so his mom, the player on my team, his mom spoke to the Georgetown alum about me wanting to get into coaching. And Mm -hmm. her husband at the time, it's it's such like a connected dots. Her husband, not her husband, he was coaching at Longwood at the time. Yeah. And the Longwood head coach had just come from the men's side the, and became the women's head coach. And so that's how I got an interview. Uh, but eventually when I got hired, you know, it, it, he offered his name's Bill Branson. Mm-hmm. Give me my first job opportunity. He said, I really enjoy being around you. <laughs> he yeah. said, I really enjoy talking to you. I really enjoy being around you. And so that was a huge part of why he offered me the job. 
Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and so I just be willing to work, be willing to network. Before that moment, like I had gone to AAU tournaments um, at Georgetown. It gives like these little cool trading cards. And like I passed those out to coaches while they were like out recruiting with my name or sorry, with my like phone number and email on the back. Like I hand wrote my phone number and email, you know, this is before all these fancy Canva and Instagram yeah. graphics and, you know, all of that. So, you know, I just, I handed them out to the people that I knew and some other people that I didn't know. And I was like, Hey, I'm just looking for a chance. You know, I don't know what that is or what that looks like, but I'm just looking for an opportunity. And, you know, nothing other than um, creating relationships came of that. Mm-hmm. But it was just, you know, I was able to network. I was able to build relationships from there. Um, and, you know, a lot of those people I'm still really close with now. This is when you were just the AAU coach of, uh, of the nine-year-old team? Yes. Oh, okay. That's, that's cool, yeah. Dope. So, um, what's something you think the youth today are lacking? Like, personally, I think, like, they can't, like, the tough times for them are, like, it's just, it hits them a lot harder than I feel like, you know, my generation or anyone's, like, I feel like the 90s babies kind of are, like, a dying breed. I feel like that mentality of just, okay, I got hit in the face, like, I'm going to, you know, get back in the gym and work harder. So, what do you think it is that uh, uh, the kids today can't, like, take the tough times or sorry no what that's that's my opinion what do you think today that youth are lacking from your perspective um i think partially i think they lack empathy from us who are an older generation you know mm-hmm. like i think that they are the first generation to experience internet at this rate you know, we didn't have internet until, you know, like, we didn't have free reign mobile internet until college. Yeah. You know, until 2011. Like, we didn't have FaceTime until 2014. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, true. Uh, um, And so they are figuring it out. They're figuring out a lot of things that we haven't didn't weren't forced to figure out. You know, like our lives weren't on blast mm-hmm. all the time. You know, there's not very much that. Like, obviously, you've done your your research about me, but there's not very much. You know, like we all do kids stuff. There's not a lot of that visible. Yeah. Um. And so I think that more compassion and more empathy for being where these kids are and meeting them where they are mm-hmm. is something that, that they really need. Um, so I wouldn't say, I think, and I had this conversation with the uh, high school slash AAU coach. Um, I think they just love the sport differently than we do. Mm-hmm. And they just interact with it differently. I don't think it's that they love it any less. And I think it's unfair to say that they love it less than us. Yeah. When it, then when the love just looks differently. Yeah, no, I, I feel that. I never really gave that too much thought. How they're the first generation with social media—that's so true. Right. 
I also think like they um experience a whole lot more than we did because mm. of their access to social media. Yeah. Like I think things are tougher on them mm-hmm. because of their their exposure. You think it's tougher on them? I do. In what way? What do you mean by that? I mean, for example, like, Takeoff died today. I don't know what their relationship with Takeoff is, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, could you imagine reading someone dying every single day at 14? Yeah. Every time you media or seeing dead bodies or seeing friends committing suicide or seeing... Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. The, the type of toll that takes on young minds. Like, I couldn't imagine. It's hard for adults to do it now. Mm-hmm. Like, for 30-year-olds to get on the internet and be like, dang. So, what makes us think that that's not harder on people who are less emotionally intelligent because of their age? Mm-hmm. And they have developed coping mechanisms and they haven't developed all of those things. Yeah, that's a great point. How much, how much attention is Canada getting from y'all, by the way? It's something I don't want to forget to ask. Like, would you say, was there a particular moment or year when you noticed like more or less attention uh, and your attempts, let's say just within your coaching staff to get Canadian players or uh, how would you describe that? Because I'm Canadian. I don't think I mentioned it, but I'm actually from Ottawa, Ontario. I don't know. If you're too familiar you with said that. A, so it made me think that you were either Australian <laughs> or Canadian. Yeah, I don't have the Aussie accent, though. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it didn't sound like that, but you said A at the end. So I was like, okay, it's that's, one of those two things. That's funny, yeah. Um, no, I think, I think, uh, um, I mean, I think about Canadian recruiting. So I don't know how else to answer that question other than it's like, I think a lot of us want to get Canadian players. Mm-hmm. So. Do you think of them independently, like as their own kind of group? Or do you just think of them as like, like, do you hold them to the same standard as Americans? Do you hold them to a higher standard than Americans? How do you? Oh, yeah. Just, I mean, if they can play, I, there's a lot of things about basketball that I might not be the right person to particularly ask. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, if they can play, they can play. Yeah. They can get into our school and do well in school. Sign them up. Mm-hmm. I, like it's not like oh they're Canadian they have to be able to do this. I don't. I don't. I think that just is a waste of brain power. Yeah. Do you feel like Canadians like let's say if you have to generalize, is there one thing we do better? Would you say like I'm curious to hear what you have to say about that if if anything, but what would you uh, say? I don't know. I don't. One, I don't love generalizations, but mm-hmm. also I don't know. Like to to I guess reiterate what I just said is like I don't think that they're Canadian. You know, I'm not. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not watching the game like oh, this is a Canadian. I'm just been watching the game as a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Can they hoop or no? Do they fit what we need? So it's hard for me to be like oh Canadians because I'm not thinking about that while I'm watching them play. I'm just trying to assess them as people. Mm. Like, are they a good teammate? Can they dribble? How do they shoot? How do they defend? 
So mm-hmm. now there might be people who can answer that question. Mm-hmm. I'm just not one of those people. Yeah, no, I just remember being at a JUCO and I was the only Canadian guy there at a, and it was in, it was in America and they'd always like rag on me for being Canadian, like the coaches too. And like, oh, Canadians are soft and this and that. And it's like, man, I, I used to get on my nerves. I was like, man, y'all are just, y'all got to come to Canada. Cause especially if you come to Ontario, I feel like, I think at this point we have the recognition that we uh, deserve, but I think it's, it's really good basketball out in uh, Ontario, like Toronto, um, even wow. Ottawa and Montreal. That's like Quebec. Uh, I've actually never heard Canadians being called soft. Really? Yeah, I guess times have so changed. It's like now, well, no, I'm just saying maybe that, like your question makes more sense. Cause I'm like, I haven't heard anything about, it's just like, okay, they just play basketball more. Like that's like, that's what, I'm like, it's cold when you have to go up there and watch them play. That yeah. was the first thing I bring. Okay. Like it's going to be snowing in October. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it might be because probably not as a as a female i feel like maybe as a as a male there's probably certain things that like are just normal to hear as a guy maybe as a female yeah. there's some things i'm sure that if you told me like this is like a naturally occurring thing in the locker room like people saying this or that i'd be like oh wow like you know i feel like there's probably some differences there oh uh, yeah 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 how would you so okay, I get a lot of Europeans like hitting me up. How would you how do you guys recruit players internationally? How like I got a lot of DMs uh from let's say France or Serbia of players wanting to play D one or even just to go to play high school ball in the States. How, how would what do you suggest that they do? Oh, high school I don't really know that pipeline well enough to speak on it. Okay, let's focus on the, the uh, college then. Um, a lot of, there's a lot of like, I don't know what the proper term is, but a lot of like, uh, um, mid middlemen, I guess. I don't know if that's yeah proper or not, but just that we have connections with, um, that tell us about players in their countries and around and internationally. Um, there's a couple international scouting services I know, um, but I mean the best way is to just reach out to coaches. Like even at the D one level, you think they'll they'll open up emails and reply? Um, we typically open them. Yeah, if they're not interesting, you just won't reply. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I figured. But I think that's still a good way to, like. If you don't, like, or having your coach call or send an email or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever your club team is, that kind of thing. I think all of that is really important. Do you suggest they hit up the head coach or, like, is there a certain coach that has more time for that or just any other uh, coaches? I would say probably the assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's interesting. I just figured that the coaching staff would just not even give it the time of day, but... That's interesting. I didn't know that you guys were that accessible. You just got to try, you know? Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, so I guess I'll get on this. I'm going to call this the, uh, I got to call it something. I got, so my, my brand is out the mud. I'm trying to give my uh, my people a nickname. I'm thinking worms or what do you think? What do you, I need some ideas. <laughs> um, I don't know. Worms is kind of funny. <laughs> I'm stick with worms. But basically, I was going to ask you questions that they asked me to ask you. And so okay. uh, pretty pretty similar questions. It's just this is what they wanted to hear. So 
I know you got a lot of insight you could offer. So first I'll ask, what is one thing that anyone can do to help them get a D1 scholarship? What's like the best piece of advice? Like anything, doesn't matter where you're from. What is one thing? It might be a, I guess it's kind of too general. I mean, yeah, it's however you can answer that. Uh, watch basketball. Okay. And is this like rapid fire or you want me to elaborate? Oh, uh, yeah, a little uh, elaboration is cool. We might as well. We reset okay. the clock, so. Um, to watch basketball. And then you can, at all levels, one, it helps you develop your game, mm-hmm. helps you develop your IQ, and also helps you figure out can you play at that level or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I feel like some people don't know how to watch. Or they'll see things, they'll see themselves and like, I remember I'd, I'd show guys, like, I, I also train kids, and I'd be like, hey, like, look at this, and then, like, tell me what you think you're doing wrong. And they'll, like, I'll record them, then I'll show them that same piece of footage I just showed them, and they'll be like, I feel like I'm doing it the same way. It's, like, it's kind of like when you hear people, like, make music, and it's like, you really think that sounds good? You know what I mean? I don't know if that, if that right. kind of registers yeah. to you, but I feel like some people don't know how to watch properly, or they lie to themselves, or... Um, but, no, that's, that's definitely something that I would, I'd recommend, but I feel like it doesn't work for some people, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah but um okay so how good question two how good of an athlete do you have to be to play d1 what is a metric that people can use mm, i don't think there is one i don't think it's like you have to be able to do this and if you do this it's guaranteed that you can play the division one basketball mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter how fast you run the mile uh, i don't no. Okay. Because if you can hoop, you, I'm sure you got. I'm sure everyone has heard the the story of KD not being able to bench the bar, and he said the bar doesn't weigh for the ball doesn't weigh 45 pounds or mm-hmm. whatever his quote was. Yeah. And now we see how dominant he is in the NBA. And I'm sure he can mm-hmm. bench the bar now, you know, mm-hmm. but at the time or whatever the weight was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for sure. I don't think that's. Okay. Uh, another another question. Uh, what, is the, what is the best way to sell your dribble moves? This is kind of, I guess, on the skill development type of thing, type of side. Learning to have change of speeds. Mm-hmm. That's, like, that's definitely a good answer. So, not, you can't do everything at the same speed. Mm-hmm. You have to give defense time to react. Yeah, for sure. Um, but if you're going the same speed, the defense just isn't reacting to anything. So by the time you get to the next move, and then the next move, and the next move, they're just, you know, you left them behind. Or like, they didn't even process your first two moves. And so now they're guarding your third move. Mm-hmm. That's a great answer. Um, okay, besides work ethic and grades... What do you specifically look for when recruiting? Uh, kind of like what I mentioned earlier, like the fit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how well do they play the role that we need them to be like? Can they, um, can they, can they shoot or... Like, you know, whatever we need them to do. Like, do they have good hands? Are they good rebounders? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And how much does, okay, I get this question a lot. How much does height matter as a guard? Basically, yeah, if they can't get bullied, then, I mean, their height's not really u- being used against them, so it's kind of, it's fine, eh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said A again. <laughs> That's funny. I'd be trying not to say it. Right. <laughs> it just it just slips out. <laughs> but, uh, all right. Um, how does a player from Canada catch your attention, or do you want attention in general? I kind of already asked you this, but I guess just for my guy here. How would you answer that? Um, I would just say, um, you know, just continue to put in the work, figure out, like, if you're playing AU or, you know, make sure that you're at tournaments in America, you mm-hmm. know, like, that they're, they're going to go to tournaments in America because, like, it is difficult during, like, when we have evaluation periods to go to Canada for, like, one team. Because yeah. we have to optimize our time in recruiting and, um, you know, how many days we have. And, you know, you want to be able to see the most amount of kids you can in that time frame. Mm-hmm. So I would say that the biggest thing is is trying to get to um, – is getting to an American tournament at some point. Okay. And um, so everyone's always talking about getting better mentally, but no one really explains it. How would you explain like the mental side and how to, what are some tips that you would give for somebody who wants to be like mentally tougher? Uh, I think, well, I'm not a, psychologist or a therapist um so i just want to put that disclaimer out yeah. there i'm sure people knew that already just yeah they just felt the need uh, to ask i can just talk about what works what works for me is um you know i was just trying to put things in perspective and you know there's a, a an adage that is like everyone Everyone puts their problems in the pile and they look at all the problems. They're going to take theirs back. Now, is that verbatim what the adage is? No, mm-hmm. I just don't know. But that's the concept of the saying. And it's basically like, you know, everybody's going through something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't say that it means like, I don't say that in terms of like, don't express what you're going through and repress it because everybody's going through something. Um, but don't feel like you're alone. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of perspective and not, and you shouldn't compare your problems to anyone else's, but it's just like, okay, this is what I'm going through. Um, you know, how can I manage it? Also, like I try to figure out what are some, what are triggers for me? Like if I don't sleep, like I know that I'm not in a great space, Mm -hmm. Like I have, I've 
I have to sleep. It's a way where I reset and my brain flows down. Um, I love to exercise. Mm-hmm. So just doing things that put you in a good mental space. Um, so I'm more of a preventative on the preventative side, but that's, I mean, I'm 32. And so I've gone through the things that I'm like, okay. And I recognize patterns for me when I'm like not feeling my best. It's like, okay, I'm not eating well. I'm not sleeping. I'm not exercising. Mm-hmm. And those are things that I like to do that make me my best self. So I would just say like recognizing triggers, um, recognizing the things that bring you joy and then trying to find time to enjoy the things that bring you joy and then limit or understand how to interact with the things that may trigger you. Mm-hmm. That's a great answer. Yeah, I feel like that's definitely, uh, you got to look at what, yeah, what makes you happy and what kind of, you know, the days that you're not feeling so good, why was it and whatnot, that's definitely something you got to evaluate on your own. I agree with that for sure. Um, last, might be the last question. Right. Is it is it ever too late? So, like, should you have offers by a certain amount of time? I guess that's what they're trying to ask. Or uh, if if not, if you don't have offers by, like, senior year, is it too late? Or if you go, let's say you start university at the D2, D3 level, like, what are the real odds of you, you know, going D1? So I guess this person's kind of asking, uh, is it ever too late to go D1? Um, well, first, like, I privilege or the opportunity both to, um, well, more so opportunity to play co- college basketball at any level is um, an amazing opportunity, mm-hmm. right? I think that not everyone even gets the opportunity. So that's the thing I want to say. Uh, you know, it's awesome to compete at a really high level, but like to bring the interview full circle is I love, right? And so to me, what motivates me when it comes to like me as a player, like if I'm thinking like putting myself in this person who asked the question in their shoes as a player is like, I didn't want to play. Like if you love playing, it doesn't matter what you're so mm-hmm. to say it's too late is buying into something where you can't achieve your dreams if you don't go D1. Because I don't believe that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the question is like, why do you want to go D1? Is that just to be, oh, I went D1? Because to me, like, I don't know that purpose. Like, mm-hmm. winning is winning, winning is important. Okay. Um, um, but so, I mean, I guess, the, but no, I don't think it's, I mean, I think when you exhaust all your eligibility is when it's too late. Yeah. Okay. Like, you know, like, yeah. If, if it's not too late until it's too late, it makes it. Yeah, no, for sure. Like the NCAA is putting you on a clock. So when that clock runs out, <laughs> when that clock runs out, then it's too late. But if that's a dream um, or aspiration, of yours um then just continue to work towards it you know i don't think that it's ever too late to to do something that is on your heart to do Mm -hmm. and if you've exhausted every single way of getting there even if you fall short of your dream 
you accomplished so much more than you would have if you would have just gave it up yeah. at the beginning. So, no. It's never too late. Yep. That's facts. That's that kind of makes me think of the Kobe quote. Uh, what is it? The the it's about the journey, not the reward. Or what was it? I don't know if you're familiar with it. It was um, what is it? Such a good quote. It's like you heard how good I was with quotes, so I don't know if oh. I'm the right person to ask about. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, where can the people find you if people want to hit you up and kind of ask you questions? Where can they hit you up at? Um, so on Twitter and Instagram, um, it's Coach Adria. I think on Instagram I have an underscore though. And on my Twitter, I have a Calendly link. So you can put me, um, on a calendar if you want to talk or chat or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So good way to put on my calendar and I can set up Zoom calls, things like that. Okay, dope. What do you what do you do those for? Do you just kind of like to give back and kind of answer questions and stuff and just do podcasts? Yeah, just, you know, an easy way to network. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty accessible and things like that. It's not, I don't promote it because I feel like I would never do anything that I need to do. Mm-hmm. Possibly, <laughs> but yeah. um, I do, I just, I do want to be available. There's a lot of people who poured into me um so i just want to be able to give that same type of um i don't know time to other people yeah that's dope that's rare nowadays too (laughs) yeah so yeah really appreciate it and uh definitely be in touch thank you so much for stopping by absolutely thank you for having me that's again good luck on the season thank you so much Stay blessed.